This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A two-time college All-American at UCLA. A participant in nearly 700 PGA Tour events. Seven professional wins to his credit. Over 30 years of professional golf experience. A member of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Hey, good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got Pearlie with me. Pearlie, good morning. How you doing? Doing good, Jay. Kind of a heavy show today, but uh, doing good. Looking forward to hearing uh, some great stories that you have. Yeah, absolutely. We format the show like around the golf. The first segment is called the On the Range segment. It's brought to you by the Gateway section of the PGA. We really appreciate the Gateway section support, the men and women across the region that just work so hard to make our game so much better and our experiences so much better. We give away a dozen TP5 golf balls each week. So send me an email, j at jdelsingolf.com. Spell J out on both ends of that and enter the subject in the subject balls and uh, you'll be entered for a dozen TP5 golf balls. We lost a, gosh, just a pillar in our golf community this week. Jay Randolph Jr. was diagnosed less than 10 days ago with um, a form of liver cancer and given a short time to live. And boy, it really was a short time to live. He passed away la uh, last week. And um, so we're dedicating the entire on the range segment to him. And um, gosh, I just had some thoughts I just wanted to share. He passed away uh, much too early. There's no question about that. At 53 years of age, he was the grandson of a U.S. Senator. He was the son of Jay Randolph Sr., who's a Hall of Fame broadcaster, sportsman, and a wonderful human being. Junior was a father. He was a really good golfer and a multitude of other things. But most importantly to me, he was a friend. And I can remember back to the Fairway and Greens radio days when he and Jeff Smith, he and Smitty were doing their shows and they just started. And it was really, oh gosh, I was an avid listener, sometimes guest, but I was always a fan. And it was really the first true golf show John, that anybody in St. Louis ever really paid attention to. They were passionate about it, uh, and, and they, they really did a nice job. I'll always remember Junior's hearty laugh. When he laughed, we all laughed. His passion for life and our great game of golf was, gosh, it was prominent and displayed in everything he did. He helped grow our game in so many ways, and I'll forever be grateful and thankful for all he did and how he treated me as a man, a professional golfer, and a friend. We just, our show, you and I, everybody, we just sent our, our sincere condolences out to the entire Randolph family. I have a quote from our good buddy Tim McKernan that pretty much sums it all up. Jay was a legendary storyteller. He was hilarious, and he was unapologetically himself which is why so many of us loved him. He was someone who, when you saw him, he would automatically smile and you would automatically smile because you knew he was going to have something that would make you laugh. He was an absolute legend. Rest in peace, Junior. Rest in peace. We're going to do our, um, our tip of the cap, and it's more for Junior. The tip of the cap, it's brought to you by Colin and our friends at Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, 314-966-0303. And today's tip of the cap, it goes to Junior. Jay Randolph Jr., thanks for all you did for golf, for all you did in our community, and for every single person 
you touched through your 53 years. You are loved and missed immensely, pal. Rest in peace. And thanks, Colin and the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood for the tip of the cap. That's going to wrap up the On the Range segment and our tribute to Jay Randolph Jr. Uh, But don't go anywhere. I have an interview with the great Stan Grossman coming up. This is Golf with Jay Delson. How would you like access to 90 holes of golf? Well, that's what happens when you join at Whitmore Country Club. You get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And guess what? No cart fees included in that deal. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, two large pool complexes, three tennis courts. Year-round social calendar includes holiday parties, picnics, date nights, live music. They even have a kids club for your children and much, much more. There's junior golf, junior tennis, and swim teams available. This is a family-friendly atmosphere, and they have a wonderful staff. If you get out there, you got to poke your head in the golf shop and say hello to my friend Bummer. He is a terrific guy, and he will help you with your game and show you around. And don't forget, there are golf leagues, skins games, members tournaments, and couples events available all year round. Visit WhitmoreGolf.com. That's WhitmoreGolf.com. Hey, this is Jay Delsing for SSM Health Physical Therapy. Our golf program has the same screening techniques and technology as the pros on the PGA Tour use. SSM Health Physical Therapy has the Titleist Performance Institute trained physical therapists that can perform the TPI screening on you as well as use the KVEST 3D motion capture system. Proper posture, alignment, etc. can help you keep your game right down the middle. We have 80 locations in the St. Louis area. Call 800-518-1626 or visit them on the web at ssmphysicaltherapy.com. Your therapy, our passion. Folks, are you in the market for some additional protection for your ride? You need to call my friends at Vehicle Assurance. Their number is 866-341-9255. Sherry Fain is the owner and president, and she and her team are committed to helping you with your unexpected auto repair bills. They are committed to finding the right protection for you, your budget, and your family. They only work with the top vehicle service providers in the country. Get the protection and the peace of mind you deserve. That's Vehicle Assurance, 866-341-9255 for a free quote, 866 341-9255. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. For golf tips, news on the latest equipment, and everything golf, log on to golfwithjdelsing.com. The front nine is coming up. I love having Doherty Business Solutions as the title sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. You already know that they're the number one largest IT consulting firm and the largest software developer in the St. Louis region. You also know that there are over 2,500 Darty teammates in 30 states and three countries around the world. But what you may not be aware of is what Darty Business Solutions does right here in our own community. They were the sponsor for the first Advocate PGA event at Glen Echo this past September. Darty Business Solutions was also a presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. They have created Access Point, which builds diversity in the IT workforce. This is a game changer in our community. Literally, hundreds of mostly young African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 per year jobs 
right out of high school, and that training begins in high school. Darty Business Solutions believes talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. Ron Darty, our founder at Darty Business Solutions, is the chair of the 2023 Heartball, supporting local, the local American Heart Association Foundation. These are just a few examples of the positive things Darty Business Solutions is doing right now in our community. Hey, welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm Jay. He's Pearly. We're headed to the front nine. It's brought to you by the Ascension Charity Classic. And we wrapped up a great second year. We're just getting ready to announce all of the, the amounts of monies that were raised. I'm really, really excited to hear that. Next September 5th through 11th, Norwood Hills, we got uh, Darty Business Solutions, the official sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. They are going to be uh, the presenting sponsor of the Advocate PGA event that's going to be at Glen Echo. Pearl, just I want to give you a couple of thoughts about Jay Randolph Jr. before we head to our interview with Mr. Stan Grossman. Yeah, I want to hear some stories uh, that, that you have firsthand, Jay, because I know that he was your buddy and you, you interacted with him in several different manners. Yeah, for, first of all, he was a really good player. Played golf down at University of South Carolina and, and um, we're probably about nine or ten years uh uh, apart in age, but he was always part of the sports um, family here in St. Louis. His dad was just a legend, you know, with NBC forever and, and one, one of the first um, uh, golf broadcasters that I can even remember Pearl ever calling the game then. His dad was also on with the Cardinals. And so Jay was just um, a natural kind of um, uh and, and broadcasting was just a night, natural kind of segue for Junior. He worked with uh, forever at uh, 590 The Fan. Um, he and Jeff Smith, as I mentioned earlier, had just a phenomenal radio show. They had a long run. I don't remember how many years they ran, but with Fairways and Greens, and they had lots of really fun guests and lots of uh, local flavor. And, you know, John, what I, what I love about him is – he was so authentic. He just, you know, he'd just throw stuff out there. And you're like, hey, that's who he is. He, and as, as Tim McKernan said in that great quote, he was unapologetically himself. And, and, and that's the authenticism that, you know, there's, it's hard to be a character these days, John. You know, meaning you, if you throw your... You're too on guard. You're too on guard these days. Right. I mean, if you if you th- drop the freak flag out there, you're just subject to so much ridicule and so much, uh, so many things. And and he was, he just he did it. And John, he was, his number one love in life was golf. Man, he loved the game. Well, tell us a little bit about his golf game, Jay. I I've never played with him, so tell. Oh yeah, he's most a. Most of you listeners have it. What, what kind of a game did he have? Oh, he had a good game. I mean, he was definitely a scratch. He could bomb it. He uh, he. You know what, John? When he swung the club, it, it just so much of it looked right. A lot of speed, um, and you know, to play college golf, hell, you got to be a, a really really good player. And um, I think as the years went on, I don't think he he played quite as much, but. Um, yeah, he was he was a damn good player, and um, and his dad was you know there's lineage there too. His dad I think won something like the Egyptian Open, or his dad was a really really good golfer, just good athletes, sportsmen in general, just you know just that sort of thing. 
I remember when Jay had that radio show and I called in one time and you didn't know I was calling in and I talked to him and I didn't know him, but I just introduced myself and he let me come on air as a special guest. I started throwing out stories uh, of uh, you and I at UCLA. And you were—I could tell on, on the radio—you were red-faced uh, just that. But he went—he went along with it. He didn't mind yanking your chain a little bit. Oh no, and 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 that's fair. And uh, that was real. And I remember that. And I didn't appreciate it nearly as much as I probably should have. But it was—you know—he was a character, John, and, and he was always smiling. There was always—you're wondering, like, is there a prank? I don't know. There's just, you know, it just doesn't seem like there's words that cover this for me. It's, um, I, I just, my heartfelt, uh, wishes go out to the family and, and this the whole community. He, he, there's, there's a hole in the community right now. I'm sure there is. I can tell, uh, talking to you before the show, it's, it's been a tough one, but I'm really glad that, uh, you told some stories about him and, uh, continue to keep his his work alive and uh you, you and him do a lot of the same things as far as wanting to grow the game which uh, he was a huge part of that yeah absolutely all right we're going to segue now into my interview with the great stan grossman stan uh is 90 years old stan has been a mainstay in the golf community here in town and in the entire midwest region john he's been with the usga since 1981 uh, he's a founding member at Forest Hills Country Club. He's just a lover and supporter of anything that has to do with golf. So let's go to that interview, the first half of that interview. I'm sitting down with my longtime buddy, friend, the the epitome of what a gentleman should be, Mr. Stan Grossman. Gross, thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks, Jay. Nice to thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I you know, we ran into one another over at Old Warson earlier this summer. And um, there was a USGA event going on, and we start. I, I, we started talking, and you started telling stories. I thought, oh my gosh, man, we got to get you on the show and tell some of these great stories to people. Well, you know, Jay, I got. <laughs> uh, I've been a fortunate guy, and golf has been so good to me. I couldn't, you know, almost hard to explain. But what <laughs> I happened to be over at Old Warson. I don't know what was last spring or the spring before, but when they were redoing the 17th hole, Roger Null and Kai Golby, Bob's son, and they called me one day and said, Gross, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here. And he said, why don't you take a ride over here to Old Warsaw? We'd like to show you the new 17th hole. And I don't know whether I ever told you, Jay, but Kai Golby's dad, years and years ago, came through a lesson over at Forest Hills. Did I ever tell you this story? No, but please keep going. This is great. Well, this happened about, I want to say, oh, probably in the middle 60s or maybe or very early 70s when Bob Colby was still in his prime. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I was walking, I played, played golf at Forest Hills one day and I go walking through the pro shop and Dutch Harrison was just sitting in an easy chair and said, uh, where are you going, Mr. Grossman? I said, I'm going upstairs to have a bowl of soup. He said, well, why don't you come down here about four o'clock? I said, for what, Dutch? He said, well, Mr. Bob's coming over for a lesson. I said, Dutch, who is Mr. Bob? He said, Bob Golby. Well, Bob Golby, is you and I both know, it was a great player back about that time. And anyway, at 4 o'clock, here comes Bob Golby in a brand-new automobile, opens up the trunk, and one of those big red Spalding bags comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're, you remember those. Oh, things. I sure do, Stan. <laughs> Anyway, we go across the street with a with a bushel basket of balls, the three of us, and throw a few balls on the ground. And Dutch said, Bob, let me see you hit the seven iron. He takes a seven iron and he hits a beautiful shot up about 160, 70 yards in those days with about a two or three yard draw. And he said, let me see you hit another one. 
and he hit another one that was a tracer. He said, Bob, don't change a thing. Everything looks fine. <laughs> Colby said, are you sure, Dutch? He said, I'm sure. Just don't change a thing. And we drove back to the parking lot, put the club back in the car, and he said, Dutch, do I owe you anything? <laughs> said, no, you don't owe me anything. Get out of here and play good. Anyway, he left, and I was thinking to myself, it's 45 miles from St. Clair, where Bob belonged, over to Forest Hills. He just, I just drove 90 miles and hit two balls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is incredible, Stan. Now, you're one of the founding members at Forest Hills. How long have you been uh, at Forest Hills? Tell us a little bit of background about Forest Hills. It goes back to Jay in 1964. One of the developers was uh, uh, Charles, uh, they, they owned the St. Louis Browns, whose who's brother and his brother's son today owns the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, the DeWitts? The DeWitt brothers, right. Yeah, right. And this goes back to the St. Louis Browns today, which your dad will remember, would have remembered, you know? Sure. Anyway... Um, he was one of the uh, original investors, and that's how I got involved with Forest Hills. And uh, to be honest with you, Jay, to join a country club in those days, the initiation fee was four hundred dollars, and the dues were twenty dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what a far cry from where we are today, Gross. Right. But, uh, Dutch Harrison, who was a famous player back in the '30s and '40s and part of the '50s. Uh, kind of took me under his wing, and really, I that's that's where I really got started with the game. Because previous to to that, I thought that the guys that played golf and tennis were kind of the, that was a, kind of a sissy game, you know. Unless you were playing football or baseball or <laughs> hitting or somebody or knocking somebody down, uh, you know. That was, but anyway. I got started with golf. My brother was going to the University of Missouri at the time, and uh, we were at my mom and dad's house in University City. For my brother said, "Do you want to go play nine holes at Ruth Park?" I said, "I don't want to play that sissy game." And he said, "Well, you probably can't hit the ball straight anyway." And that—that's where it all got started. <laughs> it's funny how those brothers can say just what they need to say to get you going, isn't it? Right. It really is. But I couldn't begin to tell you, Jay, how good this game has been to me uh, for a long, long time now. I originally got involved with, in those days, the only golf in St. Louis was run by the St. Louis District Golf Association, which you'll remember. But it only encompassed the private club players, and it didn't take in everybody that played the game. And they give a lot of credit to Tom O'Toole, whose idea was to come up with the Metropolitan Golf Association. And uh, today that's been a huge success for golf in this particular area, not only on the St. Louis side, but on the Illinois side. And uh, got to give a tremendous amount of credit for golf in St. Louis to Tom O'Toole, who ultimately became president of the USGA, as both you and I know and know all about. But uh, golf is on the rise here in St. Louis, and uh, I'm glad to see it and glad to be a part of it. Oh, Jay, you're a part. You you were a part of that as well. Oh my gosh, Stan! I look back and I think about the early days, and I was caddying at Norwood. I know you've been with the USGA. I think your first year was 1982. Is that right? 1981. Yes, sir. Gosh, so I know that you've been involved. I know that running 
our qualifiers for the U.S. amateurs and things like that. You were always in the forefront. And you know, you know what, Stan, from a guy that grew up on the public side of the game, I didn't know much about St. Louis district stuff. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. I was playing with my mom's clubs and we were playing up at North shore and Stan, I didn't know any better and I didn't know any different. I just knew something about this game grabbed a hold of me and it hasn't let go yet. Yes. Right. And it's, you know, unless you belong to a private club in those days, that was the only competitive golf that you could play. And uh, anyway, is, is how I found out that I got involved with the USJ was on a New Year's Day. I was watching the football, college football games, and the phone rang about 4 o'clock, and it was a sports department from the Post-Dispatch and said, congratulations, Stan. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, it just came across the wire from New York that you were appointed to the USGA. That's how I found out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and Stan, I know that we've got to talk about 2012. What a special year for you to get the Joe Dye award. I mean, what that had to be such an incredible feeling. And that, that also was completely out of the blue sky. I, I can't tell you how, how fortunate and lucky that I've been. And it's funny because just this morning I thought about that uh, when I got the Joe Dye award, the same night, uh, Annika Sorenstam was given the Bob Jones Award. And in her talk, she made a little speech about when she was a kid growing up in Sweden that her dad took her to the club one day to, to play. And uh, she's on the practice range before getting ready to tee off, and it started to rain. And she called her dad to come pick her up, and her dad came by a half hour later and picked her up. And, she said, as we were leaving the club, my dad said to me, Annika, you say you want to be a good golfer. She said, yes, dad, I'm going to be a good golfer. He says, well, little rain doesn't bother all those other kids still out there on the range. And she said that right then and there, I learned a real lesson. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's something, isn't it? You just never know, Stan, when those sort of those little jewels will hit you and, and, and take root because they're out there. Sometimes we just don't hear them. Right, exactly. And Jay, you know, you had a great career too, babe. And I just, um, I don't know how old you are today, but <laughs> I know you're a lot, lot younger than I am, but I, I hope that you're still playing competitively a little bit. I, I still do get to play a little bit. I'm going to get to play in the Ascension Charity Classic next year, Stan. And I'm 62 years old, Stan. So you want to talk about the game of a lifetime. I mean, we can, we can continue playing and continue enjoying it. And tell the listeners how old you are. How old am I? Yeah. 90 years old. Oh, my gosh, Stan. That's terrific. Well, I've been a lucky guy, and, uh, you know, fortunately, my health has been halfway decent. And just keep walking up and down those hills, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> keep on going until you can't go anymore. Right. So, Stan, but, the, the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association, talk a little bit about how important that was. I know you mentioned Tommy, and Tommy O'Toole has just been, oh, my gosh, I don't know the right word to use for what he's meant to golf here in the, not only St. Louis, this whole Midwest, you know, area. Yes. Right. I would say that the Metropolitan Golf Association here of St. Louis has been, has become one of the premier associations here in the Midwestern part of the United States. And it's all attributed to Tom O'Toole who had this idea. 
because as I talked about a little bit before, golf in St. Louis was only encompassed the private club players. And uh, Tommy thought and had the right idea that golf was a game for everybody. And uh, he started the Metropolitan on a shoestring and uh, in a little bitty office down in a basement. And that's where it all got started. And uh, shortly after that, uh, Tom took a young man from who graduated from St. Louis University by the name of Kurt Rowey. And uh, today, Kurt basically runs the association on an everyday basis and does a great, great job. And uh, the Metropolitan has become really the, 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 the real force for golf here in the Metropolitan St. Louis area, which encompasses not only this side of the river, but the, the Illinois side as well. And, you and know, Tom, O'Toole, Tom O'Toole deserves a tremendous amount of credit. He really does, Dan, because if you think about that, if this there wasn't this unity, it wouldn't be the same game, Stan. It wouldn't mean the same. It One of the things that is so special about our game is when you look and see a tournament called the San Diego Open or the St. Louis Amateur Open, or that, that word open means well, everyone's welcome. You can, if you qualify, you can play. That's important, Stan. That's exactly right. And and that's, you know, that's the whole idea, not only here in, a, in the United States with the USGA, but that's the way the RNA runs golf in the rest of the world along the same lines. And uh, it's nice to be a part of that. I'll be very honest with you. I agree. And Stan, you were you were one of the lead officials for the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Open from 1996 to 2007. Stan, give us a memory or two if you recall anything special about that. I'm sure that there are some interesting moments there. I've known Tiger since he was like 11 or 12 years old. <laughs> In fact, the last time I saw Tiger a couple of years ago at the Open, he happened to see me in the, in the locker room and said, hey, Stan. I looked at him and said, hey, Tiger, I used to be Mr. Grossman. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and he just said, well, I'm getting older. But uh, it was it was kind of, it was a real thrill of mine to see this kid from the time he was 12, 13 years old just blossom to maybe the best of all time. Uh, and that's controversial, too, but. Tiger was a great, great player and had the, every part of the game, every part of the game. And uh, on top of that, uh, as much as I knew him, he was always a very polite young man. And it's uh, just glad to see things like that happen because he changed the game a little bit. And not only the playing of it, but the encompassing of, the, of anybody who wants to play and has the ability to get to that point. Uh, which wasn't always the case with golf, not only here in America, but in the rest of the world as well. Okay, that's going to wrap up the first half of this interview and the front nine, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Stan Grossman on the back nine. This is Golf with Jay Delson. 
Powers Insurance is a family-owned agency right here in St. Louis that specializes in providing personalized coverage for the client who has a lot going on. At Powers, they understand that you and your life do not fit in a simple box. So guess what? Neither should your insurance coverage. Go to powersinsurance.com or call 314-725-1414 and ask for Tim Davis. That's powersinsurance.com. Hello, friends. This is Jim Nance, and you are listening to Golf with my friend, Jay Delson. I want to tell you about a family-owned and operated golf business that's been right here in St. Louis for over 40 years. I'm talking about Pro-Am Golf Center. That's right, Pro-Am Golf Center. I know you know the name, but I'm not sure you know what they really have to offer. They have everything a seasoned golfer like myself could need, all the way down to what a beginner would want. Pro-Am Golf Center has the lowest price in the area for custom club fitting. I just went and visited CJ. He is terrific. If you call them now, mention my name, Jay Delson, you will receive a discount on that already low club fitting price. Their number is 314-647-8054. Ask for CJ, or you can visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. That's ProAmGolfUSA.com. Good Sportsmanship will be back in St. Louis with the return of PGA Tour champions at the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic presented by Emerson. This year, Patrick Harrington took the champion's trophy, but the real winners were again local St. Louis charities. Together with our corporate sponsors and fans, we were able to donate over $1 million to those who need it most. Thank you, St. Louis, and join us at historic Norwood Hills Country Club September 5th through the 10th for the third annual Ascension Charity Classic. Thank you, St. Louis. After my knee replacement, I was able to swing the golf club again without any pain. SSM Health Physical Therapy guided me through the rehab process, and when I was ready, one of their specially trained KVEST certified physical therapists put me on the 3D motion capture system. It was awesome. They evaluated my posture, alignment, and the efficiencies of my swing. They gave me golf-specific exercises to help make my swing more efficient and repeatable. Call 800-518-1626. Tell them Jay sent you for special pricing. Your therapy, our passion. I want to summarize some of the fantastic things that Marcone, your hometown company that is the largest distributor of General Electric appliance parts in North America, has done this year. We started out with CEO Jim Sowers donating two service dogs to the wounded servicemen and women heroes in our country. We followed that up with a raffling of two suites at St. Louis Blues home games with Danny Mack and myself, and with all of those proceeds headed to the Backstoppers organization. Lastly, the Marcone first responder, military, police, and firefighters viewing deck at the Ascension Charity Classic was a huge success. So much so that this idea and model is being implemented at other PGA Tour Champions events. Thank you, Marcone, for your support, and thank you for your tireless giving in our community. Hey, welcome back. Jay and John are here, and this is Golf with Jay Delsing. We are headed to the back nine, and that's brought to you by our buddies over at Pro-Am Golf. The message has been solid all year. We're not changing it now. Call CJ and get fitted. It's 
super important. Mention my name, you'll get a discount. 314-647-8054, or you can visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. All right, let's go to the second half of my interview with Stan Grossman. When I think of Tiger, and you know, he considers himself a multiracial guy with his dad being African-American, his mother being from Taiwan. Um, those doors, Stan, I never grew up that way. I never saw or thought of color as being significant, but it, it really is. And for those people that were not included, that are included now, it, it just seems like there shouldn't be any other way. That's correct. But that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that's what makes the world go round and the world to change. And most of the changes have been for the good, that's for sure. Uh, there have been some controversial figures, you know, in our game and, and, and in every walk of life. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, they always talked about golf as a gentleman's game. And, and really and truly, it, it has turned out to be exactly that. This is golf and with Jay, Jay. And and Jay, you're a part of that because I can remember when you were a young man, you were always polite. Uh, if there was a rules question, you ask in the right the right way. You weren't looking to, for an edge, and uh, that, that that's that's a feather in your cap, Jay. Oh, it's kind of you to say my parents would have killed me if I hadn't addressed you as Mister Grossman and been polite to you, whether I was in a bush. Or in the in the water somewhere, Stan, or in the woods. I I dragged you a lot of places you probably had never seen before in some of the places I played. <laughs> That's right. I can remember. I can remember. I was in the bushes on on number nine, the old number nine at Norwood, and I said to you, Mister Grossman, I think my ball is sitting on uh, a mole cast and runway. And you had to get down on your hands and knees, and you said, you're right. And I said, do I get a drop? And I think you said, I did. I don't remember exactly, but I can remember you crawling in this bush and looking at my ball, and I thought, man, I hope he can get out of there because there's not a lot of room in there. Oh, I remember, Jay, as if that hole now, I think we used to be a par five, I think, and you hit the ball to the left underneath some bunch of uh, – pine trees where the bushes are growing all the way down to the ground and you're moving stuff in and out. I said, hold on, Jay, you can't be moving too much of that stuff. Right. I didn't, you know, Stan, it's interesting because in that, that my first experience with real golf, where I, where there were, you know, where, where I was playing against men and, and I was, it would have been the St. Louis district. And this is so, I, 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 I screwed up so many things and they, innocently, but still, you know, had I broken a rule, I, I was responsible, but I can remember playing in the semifinals with Mr. Jim Jackson, just an iconic, super, super gentlemanly yeah. guy, great player and stayed on about the fourth hole. He's getting ready to he's getting ready to hit and stand. I'm over in the side taking practice swings. You know, I'm just I no one's taught me that I'm supposed to st- sit still, stand still, don't make noise and let him play and watch him play. And I didn't know that. So I was over there, you know, brushing the ground with a 3 iron or something like that and making all sorts of noise while he was playing and he was so kind to me Stan he could have he could have bit my head off and I I wound up beating Mr. Jackson that day one up I'll never forget uh, and I felt like you know I just kind of I don't know it was a big day for me 
And as I look back on it, I must have irritated the hell out of him, Stan, because I was all over the place. <laughs> that's what makes this whole game grow. That, that's the evolution of it. And, and we all grow by that, you know, Jay. And, and it to be my age, you look back on things, and uh, there were a few things that were a little on the funny side, but for the most part, we all did it the right way. And, and, and whether it turned out good or bad, at least you knew that you did the right thing. Right. And, uh, and we were trying to do the right thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it didn't always, we didn't always get there maybe the quickest way, but I think we wound up getting there in general. Stan, you told me a story. Did you ever, um, you got to play in the, the Crosby clam bake, the, which is now the AT&T national uh, yep. program. Yes, you got to play a couple of years. Tell us about that experience. I know that had to be special. Well, I, I played two years with Dutch, and uh, one, one cute little story about, uh, you remember Phil Harris, the band leader, who was married to the movie star Alice Faye. Dutch had won the Crosby with with him a, a couple of years previous to Dutch and I playing, and we happened to meet in the parking lot, and uh, he came over and said to Dutch, uh, who are you playing with? And Dutch said, uh, why do you ask? He said, well, you used to play with me, but now you bring this band in here. He's pointing to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he told a funny story that he was married to Alice Faye, who was a famous movie star. And uh, Dutch said to him, uh, how is Miss, Miss Alice doing? And he said, Dutch, don't even ask me about her. He said, you won't believe what's going on. He says, every Sunday... Now, she was a movie star, and he was a world-known band leader and also in the movies. He said, every Sunday, she gives me $500. He says, by Tuesday, I don't have any more money, I got, and I have to wait till the next Sunday before I get another 500 Don't even ask me about her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But but the, the neatest thing that happened one year at the Crosby, well, two neat things. Um uh, we were paired with Bert Yancey, uh, and Bert was in contention to win the tournament one year. And we were playing at Cypress Point, and it was a cold, rainy, windy day. And we were playing the 18th hole, and the 18th green is kind of elevated a little bit. And there were two people standing back there, and finally got up on the green, and uh, it was Mr. Crosby. And I said, walked back there. I said, Mr. Crosby, what are you doing out here? It's a miserable day. And he pointed down, and he said, Nathaniel wants to meet Bert Yancey. <laughs> and Nathaniel turned out to be a pretty good amateur years later, won the U.S. Amateur, and uh, was also captain of the Walker Cup team here a couple of years ago. So those kind of things are the things that you kind of remember, and that's what makes this game so great, you know, Jay, and you, you were a part of that as well. Oh, my gosh, Stan, I look back at those Crosby days, and I can remember a story – because um, there's movie stars just walking around all over the place, you know, and I can remember, right. you know, not knowing who half of them were. And I was, you know, when you go out to Pebble Beach, there's no designated driving range for the normal play. And for this thing that, you know, to turn the polo fields into a beautiful driving range and they make a little area for you to go grab something to eat before you're around. So I'm in there 
just kind of uh, getting a plate full of breakfast. And I sit down and this young guy says to me, hey, man, do you mind if I sit next to you? And I said, well, gosh, no, no, no problem at all. And I didn't introduce, but we just started talking and we hit it off and we're having a great conversation. He talked about his round and I talked a little bit about this, that, and the other thing. And you know, 15, 20 minutes went by, Stan. And um, we said, uh, you know, we, we, I was get up to leave. He goes, I'm going to leave as well. We got up to walk out and I met my caddy at the door and he went to some point. I said, hey man, have a great day and I'll see you later. And he goes, yeah, same to you. And my caddy looks at me and he goes, how long have you been friends with Justin Timberlake? And I said, who's that? And then Stan, you got to remember, I have four daughters. And so I went home that night and got on the phone and said, girls, you're not going to believe who I had breakfast with. And they said, oh, who was it this time, dad? And I said, uh, some guy named Justin Timberlake. And, you know, he was in the boy band stand and he was all this. Yeah, right. He was all the rage. And my girls were like, you got to be kidding me. You know, did you get his <laughs> autograph? I said, no, and I didn't even get his name. <laughs> you know, Jay, along those lines, uh, my, my wife, Barbara, my, who, who is no longer here, but uh, loved the movies and the movie stars. And uh, one year at the, at the Crosby, Dutch and I were, walked in to have breakfast and we sit down and 30 seconds later comes a guy and says can i sit down with you and it happened to be dean martin oh my barbara gosh. thought that she had passed and went away to heaven you know because <laughs> 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 he spent maybe an hour and a half with us and he had all she could always remember that he had velvet shoes on <laughs> oh my gosh you know right stan those those days that tournament, I actually played in that event my rookie year on tour, I think my first two years before they had changed the name to the AT&T. And you know what, Stan, there was yeah. something that was so quaint and something that was so different about that event with the celebrity fields, the celebrities themselves. There was just this commonality or something, Stan, that the game brought everybody together and it seemed almost normal and even though it's not you know you could go on with these stories that all of a sudden they pop into your mind but uh this game has been just so good to both of us kurt you know and uh jay it's just uh i sit here once in a while sitting in this big easy chair and think about how lucky i've been to be honest with you Oh my gosh, Stan, I feel the same way. Stan, tell the the listeners just a little bit about Dutch Harrison that they don't know. I mean, I know this guy was a great player and a great ball striker. His nickname was the Arkansas Traveler, and he had a big, big following and a big imprint here in St. Louis, didn't he? You know, uh, Jay, he was, a, he was a, a wonderful, wonderful man. He was from Little Rock, Arkansas, grew up he said on a in a poor neighborhood and he started caddying down there and that's how he got involved with golf uh but i only knew him later in life uh you know originally when old warson here in st louis was built he was the original pro there wow and he was there i think for two or three years and then he was hired away by the olympic club out in san francisco and he was there for about four or five years. And then when Forest Hills was being developed, they brought him back to help promote that. <laughs> and he was, an old, as I mentioned, an old farm boy from Little Rock, Arkansas. And I said, Dutch, you know, why did you leave a prestigious job like that out in San Francisco to come back to Forest Hills? 
And he said, Mr. Grossman never got warm out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Right. And another story about Dutch Harrison played, he made, he was picked for four Ryder Cup teams at the period of eight years, but he only played three times. I was looking at the record one day. I said, Dutch, you know, you were picked four, four times, but you only played three. What happened? As an uneducated boy from Little Rock, Arkansas, he said, Mr. Grossman, he said, the, the first year, he said, uh, we played here right after World War II in Portland, Oregon, which was the, this, the, the start of the Ryder Cup matches again. And he says, then two years later, we went back over to England to play. And then two years after that, back here in America, and then two years to go back to over, overseas. I said, how come he didn't go back? <laughs> now, Jay had to remember, he's an old farm boy. He said, Mr. Grossman, he said, you couldn't win any money over there. All you could win was those pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 my gosh. Oh, Stan, isn't that something? I'll tell you, just, uh, you know, you could go on with these Dutch Harrison stories. He was, he was a Damon Runyon character, to be very honest with you. Oh, right. Uh, but but he was wonderful to me and uh, wonderful to my kids. And just, uh, I miss him. In fact, I'm looking at a picture of him on the wall right here, right now, Jay. <laughs> oh, that's so special. Stan, I really appreciate your time. I, I got to tell you just the last little thing about the Dutch Harrison, the first award I ever won when I was uh, had the low scoring average as a junior golfer, it was called the Dutch Harrison uh, Trophy. And I think that was the first tro golf trophy I ever won. And, and I didn't know who he was, and I got to meet him. And uh, it, was, it was special. And I got to tell you, Bob Hope was there in the, ver the yeah, very first time, right. which was really, I mean, if you think about that, that's, that's amazing. He knew them all, and they also knew him. You know, he, he really and truly was a Damon Runyon character. But he was a wonderful, wonderful man to me and my family and to my kids and, and to almost everybody at Forest Hills for sure. And Jay, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you calling me and we're talking about this. Like all of a sudden I'm thinking about things that I haven't thought about for 15, 20, 40, 50 years. You know? anyway. <laughs> well, to our benefits, Dan, I so appreciate you. Uh, thanks. Thanks for all you've done for the game. Please keep doing it. I know you're still involved. I love seeing your face out there and all these young guys need to, to, to know these stories. Well, Thank, thanks a million, Jay, and uh, that's all I can say is thanks, and, and you've been an attribute for people in golf in St. Louis, that's for sure. Keep it up. All right, John. I could have listened to Stan Grossman's stories. I mean, I hated to, to pull the plug on the interview. It was just so much fun for me. Well, he just he just rolled so well with the stories, and it's fun. He, he really enjoyed telling them. I'm glad that you had him on the show. And uh, he dates back through your whole career and, and some. Yeah, I, I mean, when he starts talking about the, the Dutch Harrison days and some of those, oh my gosh, it, it's, uh, he told a story to me, John. And this is was when I was kind of like, gosh, this is one of the reasons I got to get him on the show. We were over at Old Warson and we were watching a couple of younger guys play. And it was just so fun to get to visit with him. And he said, uh, um, I can remember Jay one time when Dutch Harrison asked me if I would, if I could caddy for him. 
And, I, and, he, and Stan said, Mr. Dutch, what, what are we playing in? He goes, it's a U.S. Open qualifier. It's 36 holes. And it's, it, you know, it's, and, and Stan said, oh, my gosh, it'd be an honor. And so he shows up in the morning. He's a younger guy and uh, going through the bag, you know, and he says, uh, uh, hey, Mr. Dutch, there's only two golf balls in here. And, oh, boy. And, and, and Dutch Harrison said to him, we're only playing two rounds. And so Stan's thinking to himself, wow, all right, well, I'm not bringing that up again today. John, he said he walked off the 18th green of the second round playing the same ball. Wow. He played 36. Wow. Could you imagine, John, just knowing that if I hit pop two in the water, I got to go in, that would drive me crazy. Well, you know, the only other player I've ever heard that type of story from before was Jack Nicklaus. The, the story goes that Jack carried three golf balls. And I can't fathom that that could be true. I carried like a dozen and a half and there's a couple in another part of the bag where the babies, they may have said practice on, on them or something like that. But I wasn't going to come up short. No, that's right. Well, that, let's wrap up the, um, this is going to wrap up the back nine, but um, Pearly and I will be back for the 19th hole. So don't go anywhere. This is Golf with Jay Delson. Folks, do you need a new car, truck, or SUV? Then the Dean team of Kirkwood is the place for you to go. 314-966-0303 and go see Colin Byrne. He just got me into a new SUV and I love it. Boy, did they make the experience painless and super, super easy. Most dealers don't have any cars in their lots, but at Dean team of Kirkwood, Colin has an entire parking lot full of new and used cars. You don't want a VW? That's no problem. They have Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, anything you want. Colin and the Dean team of Kirkwood will go get it if they don't have it. Call them at 314-966-0303 or go to deanteamvwkirkwood.com. The Dean team, for all your car buying needs. Hi, this is Peter Jacobson and you're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. I am proud to welcome the gateway section of the PGA back to my show. Whether you're pulling into your favorite driving range, public golf course, or country club, there is an excellent chance that the staff there is part of the over 300 men and women PGA professionals at over 100 facilities that make up our gateway section. I grew up watching so many of these fine men and women getting to the golf course at dawn, leaving at dusk, spending their entire day running events, giving lessons, and growing this great game. PGA Reach, Drive Chip and Putt, PGA Hope, and the fantastic PGA Junior League are a few of the examples of the programs run by these same PGA professionals. Go to gatewaypga.org to learn more or to find your next PGA professional for your next lesson, go to pga.com. The Gateway PGA, growing the game we love. The Legends of Golf return to St. Louis in 2023. You won't want to miss one of the strongest fields in golf. Ernie Els, Steve Stricker, Bernard Longer, John Daly, and many more when they compete for the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic title September 5th through the 10th at historic Norwood Hills Country Club. All proceeds benefit area charities. Together, we were able to donate over $1 million to those most in need last year. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com. I've been looking for over three years for the perfect place to be the official 19th hole of the Golf with Jay Delsing show and the search is over. Please welcome the loading dock to the show. What a great place it is. 
It is located at the confluence of the Mississippi and Illinois rivers in beautiful Grafton, Illinois. Their patio is killer with seating for over 800 and every weekend the loading dock has the area's best live music. There's no reservations required. They have overnight lodging available and they also have an ice skating rink in the winter months. And don't forget about the super cool Riverside Flea Market which happens the fourth weekend of each month from April through October. If you're into antiques and collectibles, you gotta check it out. The Grafton Ferry runs directly from St. Charles County to within steps of our parking lot. Go check out the loading dock and say hello to my buddy, Peter Allen. He is a great guy, good golfer, and a lover of the game. Call 618-556-7951 or visit them on the web at graftonloadingdock.com. For more information on their live music schedule, the Riverside Flea Market, and more. The Loading Dock, the new official 19th hole of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. Hey, welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Perley's with me, and we're headed to the 19th hole. It's brought to you by our friends, the Allens at the Loading Dock uh, up in Grafton. Man, what a great spot. Pearl, we had a great time. We did our uh, one of our remotes there this year, and um, beautiful place, great patio. Uh, go up and give them a, check them out. They've, they're, they're fun people, 618-556-7951. All right, John, as we look over the week, it's still, it's still hard to, to do a typical kind of show with a heavy heart you know, and, and, and what happened this week with Jay Randolph Jr., but he would absolutely want us to still cover the game, talk about the game, and do it with the love of the game that he had and that he knows that, you know, we both have. So um, the big thing, a big, big deal, the race to Dubai out in, um, uh, for the DP uh, year-end uh, championship, John Rahm. Boy, John, you know, it's interesting, bro. It's almost like when John Rahm plays well, he wins every single time. I don't know if you get that sense, but he's 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 he has this. I don't. Maybe it's even more of a persona than it is his game. But obviously, he's got the game to back it up. But he he just is. He gets near that lead, Pearl. It doesn't seem like he he goes away easily. Well, when his game's on, to your point, he's pumped up and he's rolling, and he's he's got that the attitude that you really want. When his game's a little bit off, you can see what I would call the anxiousness of that. When he gets a little bit hot under the collar, when he has a tough time of kind of controlling his emotions. So he really battles back and forth. But when that guy's on, he just has a ton of confidence. He's feeling it. And he, I guess in his head, he's like, well, why wouldn't I stay on the rest of the week? Because I got it. And uh, he, he's quite the force. But I think there's another guy kind of settled in with the family. I think they've had a child. And Two. Kind of getting himself set. Uh, Rory's done, has done the same thing. You know, we talked about that on the show and how that affects him. I mean, there, there is life outside of golf, you know, and, and these guys are human. They get affected by it. But, but, uh, between him and Rory, which I know you've got a note here to talk a little bit about Rory. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it, these, these two could be an unbelievable force in 2023. We know for sure that those two guys will be playing the Ryder cup. We don't know who the hell else is going to be joining him, but that's a hell of a good <laughs> nucleus right there. You know, John, Rory locks up the top, uh, uh, the Harry Varden trophy for the, for the DP player of the year, um, for the second time, uh, wrapping up the year as the world number one. Um, you know, John, he said something really interesting post interview after winning. He said, he's never been as complete 
a golfer as he is right now and today. And you know, John, this is to your point. When you're young and you do what Rory did, where he was a single man, he was he 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 made his mark on the golf world immediately. He won four majors. He's you know, and and all, all of a sudden you're like, wow, Rory McIlroy is this guy. And then you back it off, it backs off a little bit, John, or, or you don't win a couple majors that you should have, like you did at Augusta, and things happen to you, and you age, and then, you know, you get married, and now he's a, a father, you know, and there's all of this juggling, John, and the reward that he's feeling right now is this combination of being not a one-dimensional dude. You know, he's a golfer yes, yes. at the top of the world, but he's also a dad. He's a husband. He's a, um, and, and you can tell it's extremely important to him. And I got to tell you, John, some guys don't slide into those things easily. And some of them don't even fit. Well, that's why I'm glad you said that. I was going to bring that up for multiple reasons. There are plenty of people wouldn't have made it past a few of the barriers that he's had. Plenty of people just kind of shrink shrink away. We're going to talk in a minute a little bit about Lydia Ko. Same thing. Somebody that was at the pinnacle and then slipped way down. You know, there was times when when uh, uh, Rory w- was really kind of falling back, and then everybody starts questioning them. What's wrong with Rory? He doesn't care, and it doesn't matter. And he's hurt. He's this. He's that. It takes a lot to kind of regen that thing up again, and uh, and he's done it in spades. And I'm not sure there's a guy too much more comfortable in his own skin that's playing professional golf right now than Rory McIlroy, which, which speaks volumes to what I think he might accomplish in the future. Yeah, no, I totally agree, John. It's, it's, uh, it's very impressive. This whole, this whole live golf has been something and he's emerged from this thing, extremely strong, extremely, uh, powerful and, and powerful might be the wrong word, but just prominent, John, you know, yeah. he's, he's at the forefront. He's leading is what he's doing, and it's really interesting to see. And he also, you know, bows to Tiger. He's said that m- multiple times. So it's interesting what, what he's doing and some of the strong comments this week about saying Greg Norman needs to go and uh, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting and, and um, love to see what's go- what's going to happen. He couldn't be a better ambassador for the game. Love him as a human. And uh, – Man, he's another guy that's game. His game's really, really, uh, um, really rounded into. I mean, almost the best. He's probably better now, John, than he's ever been, and uh, and oh, I mean I that as a player I too. I don't have a whole lot else uh, for this show, Pearl. Have you got uh, any update? You want to give us a little update on your progress? How's your new How's your new gear coming along? Are you getting to? Uh, do you get more let's comfortable with your fishing. driver? Let's talk about fishing. Let's talk about fishing or something. So like we talk that. about fishing. I went, fish, I went fishing not too long ago. We caught, caught a bunch of smallmouth up in Ashland, Wisconsin, up at Lake Superior. That was a great time. Uh, you know, Jay, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm traveling. I had the dang uh, uh, sinus issues, like I think everybody else in the world seems to be having these days, and uh, I'm, I'm slacking off. I am down in Arizona, so I'm going to get a couple rounds in uh, when I'm down here. Uh, and looking forward to it. And uh, no, man, it's right now the golf game is on the shelf. It's hard being pearly, folks. It's hard being, there's a lot of traveling, a lot of fishing gets in the way of playing golf. I totally understand. Giving hey, you a hard, I'm giving you a hard time that, over that, there. That's the best problem I figured I could have right there. That's great. Well, that's going to wrap up another show. Pearly, St. Louis, 
Hit him straight. St. Louis. Hey, do you like wine? Have you heard about the hottest new wine bar in St. Louis? It's called Wild Crush Wine Bar, and it's located in town and country on Clayton Road just behind the Strops. Have you ever experienced self-dispensing wine machines? Well, they are here. The only place in St. Louis and most of Missouri that you'll find them, and it's at Wild Crush. You can choose your size of pour, and Wild Crush will pour the freshest wine in the area for you. The organic argon gas system used at Wild Crush keeps this wine pristinely fresh for up to 60 days. So if you're tired of drinking wine that's been open for a few days, come into Wild Crush for the best and freshest wine selection in the area. Go to wildcrushstl.com and come have one with us.